Um, essentially, it's the raffle part that's the problem. Okay. Um, because it is a game of chance. And that's gambling. And gambling is illegal in Texas. And so you can't gamble for fundraising in Texas. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Fort Worth, and welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. We are a show about local politics that aims to get more people engaged in local issues. My name is Anthony Sosa, and today I'm here with Christopher Rose to discuss a few different topics that have been kind of floating around the area lately. First, we're going to talk about the uh, early voting turnout so far on this November 2nd election. This is being recorded on Halloween Eve. And so hopefully by the time you're hearing this, hopefully um, you've already voted. If you have not, and it's not Tuesday, November 2nd, then please go vote on Tuesday, November 2nd. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, the Supreme Court looking at the abortion bill in Texas here on Monday and speculating about that a little bit. We discuss uh, the Fort Worth ISD bond uh, that we're going to be voting on or that you were going to be voting on, listener, uh, here on Tuesday if you have not already voted as well as uh, Texas Representative Matt Krause and his uh, book hunt. I think I can call it a book hunt. Uh, so yeah, and also some updates on the rodeo raffle, the, some revelations that we had on that subject. So, and a couple of other things as well. So join uh, Rose and I, and uh, as always, the resources that we used for our information on this episode will be provided below in the show notes. So you can go over it yourself and check our notes and do some more digging if you so choose. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. You can sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into local issues at our website, justicereformleague.net. As always, feel free to contact us if you have any episode ideas or additional stories you would like us to cover. You can hit us up on Twitter at FWReview and on Gmail at FWFreedomReview at gmail.com. I guess we'll get rolling. Let's do this. Let's let's do it. What's up, guys? What's up, Fort Worth? Welcome. Um, we're just here to talk to you guys about a few different things. The election currently in November is still going on. Uh, election day, if you hear this early enough, will be Tuesday, November 2nd. I really feel we kind of missed the boat emphasizing the early voting last episode. Really should have done that. 
kind of just glossed over it really quickly. Uh, I hope, listener, that you took advantage of the early voting. Um, did you go? Have you gone and voted yet? I actually haven't. I have Tuesday off, and so I my voting plan is to there do it go. then. I actually haven't either. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's just too much going on uh, after school every day that I've been having to take care of. And it just kind of quickly passed me by. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, Tuesday, I'm going to be taking care of that. Um, yeah, I, I like didn't think about it for a while. And then uh, and then like one of my friends like posted like it's the last day for early voting. And I was like, oh, dang, I can't make it today. What? Yep. I was like, Bye. Yeah, it it comes it kind of comes up when you quit, which is again, which is why we, we try to do this podcast. We want to try and keep people abreast of this sort of stuff. So uh, if you have not yet voted Tuesday, Tuesday is the day to do it. Get that get that taken mm -hmm. care of and, and, and hit these propositions, the eight propositions that we talked about a few episodes ago. Um, you can go back and listen to that if you need to know uh, really in depth about what's going on with those things. Um, but then also for the Fort Worth ISD proposition and for the Tarrant County propositions, they're all sort of of things that we're trying to get past here. So go do that. I was wondering if this was like a trend, like my personal thing and, and what you're talking and you, what you're describing. I was wondering, I, did a lot of people not take advantage of early voting? Um, and so down below, of course, in the show notes, this link is provided to you. There's a website called livevoterturnout.com and they can, they just tell you what's going on in, in anywhere in the country. And so according to them, Tarrant County had 37,507 people vote in early voting, which is, which is pretty good, I feel like. Um, not, you know, a you know, obviously not where we want it to be as a city where it's like representative of, of you know, we've almost got a million people now in Fort Worth. Uh, 37,000 is, is not a lot. But if we look back at the May election, um, before the runoff, it was about 40K that voted. And then in the runoff, we had kind of predicted that the number would, would go down um, because of engagement. They actually went up. And so there was about 60,000 people that voted in the runoff election. So if we compare that 60,000 number to this 37.5, um, this is a pretty, pretty decent early voter turnout because we're going to have a lot of people that do vote on election day. That, that's their normal thing. So we're probably, I guess we're, we're going to get a comparable number, maybe another 20,000 uh, on election day. Uh, which would be great. That would put us close to the 60K that we had in May, uh, which means that people are still engaged from the previous year, which would be nice. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. What do you think? Do you have any predictions about how it's going to go on Election Day? Yeah, I mean, I it's been going up the past you know, year, yeah? Like every election, more yeah. people turn out. Yeah. I mean... With the exception of the one in no. July, I guess, last year, that the CCPD election, that one was... Oh yeah, that one. Fourteen K, I think. I was I was counting, I guess, from that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That no, so bad, and then it's just gone up since then. Yeah. So if you're counting from that, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I hope a lot of people turn out. I have not heard a lot of people talking about this one. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's one of those, you know, like we're not electing the president. You yeah. know, or or even like the mayor. So like, yep. not a ton of people are are interested because it's just propositions, right? No people. Yeah, yeah no people. That I mean, yeah. there might there might be some judges or something that we're unaware of, perhaps. But as far as I know, it's just a bunch of propositions. Yeah. Yeah, but the fact that judges are elected by people. Yeah. <laughs> that, anyway. I guess if they were Tarrant County, they would be in May. Maybe state judges. I don't know. I don't know. I'm always surprised. Every time I go into the voting booth, I think I know what I'm going to see on the ballot. And I'm always mm -hmm. surprised by something. I'm like, oh, what's this? I didn't know anything about this. 
Um, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that's not the case this time. Hopefully we're we're abreast of of everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have to. I'm gotta find my sample ballot again. Make sure I I'm on all the things. Yeah. I know we talked through all the all the you know um, propositions, but all the state propositions. I think we talked about. Mm-hmm. It was the eight state propositions. I don't know if we talked about. Yeah, the local ones. I believe we talked about the Tarrant County ones, A and B. If not, um, they're essentially infrastructure um, propositions. They're trying to get more money to to help fix and repair and build more infrastructure here in Fort Worth. Um, I, I, did, I don't remember there being any issues with those two propositions. And I guess we can use this as kind of a segue uh, to go ahead and talk about the Fort Worth ISD ones while we're at it, while we're just talking about the election and the propositions and everything. So that's something we we neglected to mention last episode as well. So if you already voted, hopefully you voted yes on the Fort Worth ISD stuff. I know there's some, I've talked to some people who, they're even educators, who are hesitant to vote yes for this proposition, um, which are all four of these propositions, which are essentially more money. There's been weird information like on mailers and stuff, you know, which I mean, there always is, but like, the the mailers particularly about prop a have been like really confusing hmm. personally yeah I'm my phone's silent goodness family group chat <laughs> yeah i've kept a couple yeah. uh, since we last talked about it i tried to hold on to the mailers that i was getting uh and they were kind of vague they all seemed to be full of just kind of platitudes like okay i got this big two-pager one i'll just read a couple examples from let's provide mm-hmm. a brighter future for fort worth isd students and teachers it says it at the top in the headline okay great uh and then rather than saying like prop a b c or d and like any details about that it just says yes 10 times and for each yes there's like a different paragraph describing it so yes developed by citizens like you The bond package has been in development for years and was developed with the input of parents, grandparents, teachers, and business leaders from across the entire community. Okay, so they send surveys out. Parents of the students know this. They send surveys out like every month asking all sorts of things about whether they're satisfied or dissatisfied with the the school, the quality of the school, the teachers. And we get these two every year. The teachers are required to talk about and report on the administration and how they're doing. Um, so like everyone does have input now, whether or not, again, it's kind of just like the, with the city and how a lot of people don't even know that there are these surveys, um, or aren't taking advantage of them or aren't, aren't getting them and somehow or whatever, I'm sure that's, you know, going on. You're not getting a hundred percent representation of the community and input from the community, but they are putting stuff like it out there. Protect your classrooms from overcrowding, save millions of tax dollars with low bond rates, quality schools for every student, prepare students for college or careers, improvements for fine arts programs help teachers on every campus, essential repairs, maintenance, and maintenance across Fort Worth ISD, and long overdue improvements for sports fields and a focus on improving classrooms. Like, that is all kind of vague, but man, those are all true as far as like things that we need better ones in the district. Like our sports facilities are depression era facilities. Like uh, the, 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 the field over off university and the field over by TCC um clark and like i'm totally blanking on that one i'm so embarrassing i'm blanking on the really big one uh the nice one everyone knows everyone knows which one i'm talking about sports yeah it's gonna come to me later uh anyways both of these fields were built by the works project administration in the 1940s early 40s late 30s 
Uh, and so like, those are the ones that we're still using. I mean, they're, they're, they're nice. I don't, I'm not saying we should get rid of them. They're historical, you know, buildings and stuff. But, uh, as far as like facilities that, that the dozens of high schools that we have can use, like they're, they're not great. Um, classrooms are kind of big. Fine arts is totally neglected and like definitely needs funding. Um, and so like, okay, getting to the specifics, like what are in the propositions? Um, so essentially proposition A would provide $1.2 trillion for the construction, renovation, acquisition. No, I'm sorry, billion, not trillion, not a T with a B. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I was like yeah, counting sorry. the zeros. I was yeah. like, what? No, no, with a B, uh, $1.2 billion uh, for the construction, renovation, acquisition, and equipment of school buildings in the district. Uh, this includes upgrades to middle schools and the construction of a new elementary school in Benbrook. Okay, so the population is getting bigger in Fort Worth. We are going to need more schools. So this would help go a little bit to that. Do you see anything there, like, suspect in the wording of the proposition for A? Construction, renovation, acquisition, and equipment. No. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. And again, it's a lot of money. And I think, I think that's, that's the thing that makes people kind of hesitate is, like, the amount of money that's being uh, asked for here. Um, proposition B says, uh, allocates 98.3 million with an M for the construction acquisition and equipment of existing fine arts facilities. This includes upgrades to auditoriums. Um, so that one's just for the fine arts facilities. And one thing I've noticed, I don't think, and I could be wrong because I don't go to the fine arts performances very often, but I don't think we have like one for the city. Like I know if you go out to Ellis County or something, you go into Middle Othean and Waxahachie, like they've got their own separate building for fine arts. Um, even out in Terrell, they it's 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 the Jamie Foxx Fine Arts Center or whatever. They just got this big building where all the schools share, just like how they share stadiums. It's like they just share a fine arts facility. I don't think we have one of those in Fort Worth. I think all the schools just have their little auditoriums. Um, I could be wrong again, but at, at least to my knowledge, that that's that's still what we're dealing with. So this would be upgrading, you know, school auditoriums and that sort of thing. Proposition mm -hmm. C would provide one hundred and four point nine million for the construction, acquisition, and equipment of stadiums, and then D would be seventy six point two million for the construction, re renovation, and equipment of recreational facilities in the district. This complete this includes the replacement of turf in existing athletics. Uh, stadiums so yes it's a lot of money the thing that they keep uh saying and i think this is coming this is the confusion that maybe some people are having the district is saying they're not going to raise property taxes on it um they're like insisting that they're like I, and i'm not sure how they're going to pay for it um but they're getting those tax dollars somewhere because they are coming from tax dollars but they're just not coming from property taxes but right well according to this the website uh, well, Fort Worth ISD website, um, it says the financing plan is based on normal scheduled principal reductions, record low interest rates, and timing and amount of future bond sales over a five-year period. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So they're, uh, they're planning on future growth in bonds and bond sales to kind of help pay back for this, which is, that is one way yeah. to do it. Yeah, it says there's no proposed increase to the interest and sinking fund property tax rate. And people are very concerned about that. So that's that should be true. They're not going to do that. And But the, the other thing that is confusing on that front, when you go to the ballot, 
it says on the proposition, this is a property tax increase. Yeah. Because it's required <laughs> to. It's required by law for every one of these bond things to say it is a property tax increase, even if it's not. So that is why some people are like, well, I, well, I don't know. They're saying they're not going to raise property taxes, but it says right here that it is a property tax increase. Like that is confusing. Um, yeah. But even on, on like this, I don't, what, this mailer that I have in front of me, a new state law requires all bond referendum ballots to be printed with this as a property tax increase. While this is legally required language, the Fort Worth ISD bond referendum will not increase your property tax rate. So we can look at this and I don't know, I'm, a, I'm kind of making an assumption here, but I, I feel like we've been covering the state politics enough to make this. Who's running the state is the Republicans. What do they like to do? Voter restriction. Um, and so how can you disengage people from, you know, participating in these bond elections? Well, you make them think everything's a property tax increase. That's a state law that was passed. Like who wrote that state law? Um, probably not the Democrats, if I had to guess. Um, so I don't know. That's just another weird, shady thing about the politics in our state where they're trying to confuse and obfuscate and disengage as many people as possible. Um, yeah. So even money for schools is like no different. <sighs> so vote yes if you want Fort Worth ISD to be better and have more money to go around. Now, I do want to separate that point from the district and the allocation of those funds because people are like, oh, there's going to be corruption. They're not going to spend all that money on X, Y, and Z. And like, that may be true. Big school districts do have corruption. And so on that note, there's an article uh, down below from the Fort Worth Report, who again, always does really great work um, on covering some investigative uh, news here in Fort Worth. Um, articles titled, Fort Worth School Board Splits Over Selecting Bond Finance Advisor. So uh, essentially, Normally, since 2017, Fort Worth ISD has had two separate uh, entities or, or, or companies that are contracted out to handle the bond money, essentially, and, and to record how it's distributed, to keep track of all the records and, like, and to take care of all the transactions that need to be taken to distribute that bond money. And it's been two different uh, firms to kind of like spread accountability around. Uh, and essentially, like you have one firm that like does most of the work, and then you have another firm, fund uh, firm, excuse me, verify all the work that the first firm did to like sh make it legit because this is public money, this is tax tax dollar money. So you got to have to see like, you know, where it's going. Well, apparently, um, let me read. Let me uh, let me just read from the article. Uh, I'll quote uh, a line in a staff report recommending Fort Worth ISD's next financial advisory company caught the attention of trustees C.J. Evans and Ann Dar. It didn't list how much the district would pay Estrada, Inahosa and company. All it said was to be negotiated. The three-page report did not detail any of the proposals from the three other firms, nor how administrators decided to pick the recorded company. I don't have the data to work with, Dar said. It is a really important decision. So essentially, there's like four firms that submitted the, hey, we're interested in managing the bond money. And they only picked one of them and they didn't say how much they were going to pay the one. Uh, and they didn't explain why they were going to one firm instead of two firms. Uh, and so like, it almost seemed like they were going to like vote on it before these two board members like were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like what? 
what what are we voting on? Like, well, look at this. And so they they rose an issue with it. And then it ended up everyone decided to table the the vote on that. Uh, it says, except for one person. Uh, it says trustees voted seven to one to table the item, which was on the consent agenda until trustee Michael Ryan requested it be pulled and tabled. The dude who can dissented, uh, quote, Trust, trustee Jacinto Ramos was the sole dissenting vote. Board Vice President Daphne Brookins was absent, uh, and the school board is expected to reconsider the fault, the uh, reconsider allowing administration administrators to negotiate a financial advisor contract at its November 9th meeting. It continues on uh, the board's hesitation upset Ramos, who argued trustees should be focused only on student outcomes and improving them. He said, This is ridiculous. This is not our role. We are not financial experts. And so like, and he continues to like gripe and moan through the article about like the fact that they're not voting on this and that they're not financial advisors and that they don't, this isn't even their place to like be making this decision or something, which is weird because these people were voted for, you know, by the city to represent the city in school matters. And like what is done with school money, especially, you know, public money is like definitely in the purview of the school board. Like that's, that's kind of like one of the reasons that you're there for. Um, and so he's just, I don't, I don't, it's really weird to me and kind of suspicious that this one dude is like so upset at the fact that like, they're kind of slow in their role on this thing that looks like kind of corruption and maybe taking a little more time to dig into it and like make a proper decision on it. Um, so I don't know. So it just, to, to, I'm saying all this essentially demonstrate that like, yeah, there is, you know, corruption in Fort Worth ISD and in most large school districts around the country. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with just the amount of accountability that goes around. Like if, as someone who grew up in Burleson, um, everybody was very, 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 everyone's parents, most people's parents were very, very involved in the school and the school decisions. And they had, you know, they had parent teacher meetings parent, all the time. And, everyone paid attention to what was going on, what the schools were doing. And I feel like here in Fort Worth, like there's a subset of parents and families who do, but by and large, no one's paying attention to what Fort Worth ISD is doing. Like even most teachers and administrators, like they just go to work, they do what they're supposed to do and they go home. Like they don't really spend the day to day. Like what is the superintendent or the board up to? Like not a lot of people watch the meetings every Tuesday. Some do, but I think that's, you know, it's easier to get away with corruption when you've got, you know, this gigantic district that employs thousands of people. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? Did you know? Did you catch this? I had not heard of this at all before before today. No. Yeah. So it's, you know, and it's it's almost like there's nothing. It's like smoke, no fire. Like it's nothing actually happened yet because they haven't voted on it. But it looks like they were just going to have this one firm who is probably you know, buddy, buddy with somebody on the board, um, to, to, to handle all this money. And this is kind of where, and I've heard, I've heard other, when I got hired out, I've heard of, uh, people doing this where they get vendor contracts with like a friend's or family's business. And that's just kind of how stuff works here. And you see that stuff like on TV and, you know, Sopranos, you see this stuff all the time where it's just like, it's just business deals between friends, but it's business deals between mm -hmm. friends with public money, with tax dollar money. Uh, right. And so, yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll ha I will have to continue following this and thanks for the Fort Worth report for covering it. But mm -hmm. that's just, you know, 
I don't blame people for being suspicious about what is the school district going to do with their money. Uh, I think it's legitimate to be suspicious. But at the same time, uh, the school district does need a lot of improvement and does need a lot of money. And so I still think people should vote yes on this, even if they don't necessarily trust everything. You know, people, especially here in Texas, people just don't trust taxes in general. Uh, and so I don't, it's, it's hard. I get it. It's these, these bonds very, very narrowly pass. like uh, the past few ones that, that I, in, in recent memory, it's like a 51 49 sort of thing that passes. It's not like a lot of people are just handing money to the school district. So I hope this one does pass because after the pandemic and everything, like we're wrecked, things suck <laughs> inside, inside, at least my school. And I'm sure it is the same across the district. Like just as far as resources go, like we're pretty strapped. Um, so yeah, it would be nice if we could get more money and better facilities. That would be great. Um, yeah. And I think if like, if anything, just the, like the, if this makes you nervous, you know, like the, if this article makes you nervous then like, just think about the fact that like this kind of investigative journalism is going on about this. So, yeah. you know, like the Fort Worth report isn't going to do this article to make you nervous and then just drop it forever. You know, yeah. like, that's a good point. It's, it's encouraging to like know that like they're out there, you know, submitting um, like open records requests and and like and writing articles like this and paying attention. Absolutely. Sorry about the mic noise. My cat is just rubbing her face all over my mic stand. Here. <laughs> oh, Dee Okay. So uh, continuing on. Uh, Thomas couldn't be with us today, but he brought up a story during the week uh, that he wanted to discuss. And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, some people may have heard this did kind of make national news. Um, I feel like this Texas has been in national news like all friggin' year. Like, it's, it's because it, they keep doing ridiculous. Sh like, no, it's exhausting. What is this? <laughs> this list, it's just it. They feel like just like just grabs for national news, you know? Yeah. Like. It feels like they're just trying to be so overboard, like for attention. Yeah, it's I don't know. They're just full okay. of full of themselves, full of it. Yeah. So this thing, <laughs> what's his name? Matt Krause. Yeah. He's a, a state representative. He compiled a list of 850 books. That he sent out to schools to get the data back on whether they have them and where they have them specifically. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, according to him, is there a quote about uh, he's targeting materials that, quote, might make students feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress because of their race or sex. End quote. But he means white students. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because they're all like, I I have not looked at the, I've not read the entire list, but they are lots of books about racism, books about uh, gender, books about, well, yeah, yeah. Right. He said race and sex. So, so like yeah, books I mean about like transgender people. Mm -hmm books about uh sexuality like just so many yep. just like you know simple sex education books books on roe versus wade yeah um yeah and then of course you know your yeah. your books Fiction on race books. 
like that in include characters that like uh you know don't follow Matt Krause's idea of what people should do. Yeah. <laughs> like and it's ugh. so another one just to, this is how just on the face of it this just doesn't make any sense. One of the books that is that is on this list is We Are All Born Free: The Universal Declaration of Human Rights in Pictures. Um Pictures. So, like, if that's on a ban, I mean, then I guess we can't say this is a ban list because he hasn't stated why right. he's asking for this information or what he's going to do with it. Like, he's he made up a list of 100, 850 books, sent them out to superintendents all over the country, and like Thomas was asking if if Fort, if Scribner in Fort Worth was complying with it. I have no idea. I haven't heard anything about it here in Fort Worth. Um, I mean, maybe. Um, but again, like these books would only be in the library, um, because that is the only books that are essentially like paid for by the school and that are on record somewhere. Like I've got a ton of books in my room, but the school doesn't know what they are. Um, I'd never had to make a list for them or anything. And like, who knows, maybe they're going to come asking like every teacher right. who's got books in the room to make a list. Who knows? Um, but I did read an article recently about, um, what what's it uh south lake mm -hmm. um isd like there's a teacher that had you know their own like book collection in their room and i think lent a book to a student and then the student's mom like freaked out or parents or whoever it was yes. um that like was the whole holocaust like, and like called the school um yeah about it, it was a book about the holocaust and then like somebody <laughs> um like I forget their name. I should have the article. That would be helpful. Um, yes, I'll that, find it. So that, made it that made national news. That made national news too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then like the, the school or the, the people arguing against the teacher having this book were like, you need to have one of an opposing mm -hmm. opinion for all opinions that you have in your, in your classroom. Mm -hmm. Which is like when you're yeah, talking about, about Holocaust. yeah, you're talking about genocide. Like yeah. the other opinion <laughs> is like, the one doing he, yeah. like a, a different person's perspective of the Holocaust, but it's like still, you know, like like these people who were who were you know affected versus these people who were affected, you know, yeah. like like maybe that. Maybe maybe a diversity of opinions about the genocide. Sure. But you can make uh, a moral judgment. Not though. not an opposing opinion, you know? Yeah. And that's like the, diversity uh, of angles, not like a we don't need Holocaust deniers around here. Like No. And that's on. the thing that bothers me. There's still and I think this younger generation is like is more hip to this, but there's still amongst even my generation or people older than me, Gen Xers and Boomers, like there's still this assumption that objectivity is achievable and that like news organizations or people like can be object objective and that's just not true like at all uh every person every institution every entity has a bias and so like to pretend that teachers are being unbiased in classrooms like that's just insane teachers are not being unbiased and that's what bothers me is like i see what some teachers are saying to students i'm going oh my god Maybe I should speak out a little more in my class because, like, I do try to be neutral. I tell my students I have a bias, and I'm like, I'm just another random person. Like, take 
whatever I say with a grain of salt for this, I try not to give them commentary very much. I do just try to give them fact for the most part. But even in my selection of what I choose to talk about when it comes to history, like that's a bias. I, I can't cover everything that ever happened. Like that's not possible or even a useful, useful of anybody's time. And so it's like, I have to be selective of what I'm going to cover and what I'm not going to cover. And like in that selectivity in itself is, is a bias. Uh, and so, so I was like, I try to own my bias. I try to prepare my students to like understand to that everything's got a bias and try and figure out what that is. So you can then go like, okay, I'm going to listen to what they have to say, but like, but they're coming from this perspective or this direction. And so like, I'm going to take maybe certain things about it and go, okay, that's part of their bias. Let's see if I, this is why you need a diversity of opinions and everything. And so like, I don't disagree with in theory. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about what the Germans who had to become Nazis for survival felt like, uh, and sure, like I, we can, we can give different perspectives in a history class and say, this is what these people thought and these people thought, but that doesn't mean that I have to be unbiased about that. I can say these people were wrong. <laughs> these people made the wrong decision, but maybe let's look into why they did that. You know, like, but to, 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 to dictate teachers having to provide information and sources like on quote unquote, both sides of a situation when obviously like one side is right and one side is wrong is pretty ridiculous. Like that's also like we could compare that to the native Americans and be, and, but it's the flip side. Like the wrong side has been the side that you've heard forever. Like it's the right side. It's the other side that you have not heard from. And so like, that's, yeah. you know, and when we're talking about the Holocaust, that's not the case. I think everyone who's not a denier, like is, there... you know, an agreement that, you know, there was genocide there that took place and that that was bad. Um, but yeah, you've got people who just don't. There are plenty of books that glorify colonization, but yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Which is something we should work on. Yeah. God. So I don't know. Also, sorry. I'm sorry. Not to, not to move on too quickly, but I've started looking at this list of books. <laughs> and first of all, Thank you, Matt Kraus, for compiling my to-read list for the next. I know. Pop. Yeah, I bought one. Yeah, <laughs> I straight up was like but immediately I, went to Amazon and bought one of the books on the list. Yeah, I I just Googled a random one because I was like, that doesn't look like like that looks like a fiction. And it is because because like several of them are like, you know, like, um, you know, concerning policing in America, you mm -hmm. know, and like like Black Lives Matter, like. Like, take it to the streets, you know, like those are like the book titles or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm not quoting, um, but you know, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're something like that. And, uh, <laughs> and then one of them is called A Complicated Love Story Set in Space. And I Googled it and it's just, it's just a, a science fiction book for young adults with a, with a queer love story in it. That sounds fun. Right. I mean, what's, yeah, what's wrong? There's, there's no there there. That's okay. First of all, are you going to continue adding to this list with every book that has gay love in it? I mean, I get, I saw people. That, you're going to have to add so many every year. I went in doing the research for this. Maybe I should pull that article. I'll have to go back and find it. One of the sources that came up was a right wing uh, website that was saying there needed to be more books on this list. Um, and like one of the yep. books was Huckleberry Finn, I think they were like, why isn't this one on there? This one's always, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I, I, I'm sure everyone's got that. And that's the thing I, I want, what, here's the ideological disconnect here. 
because Matt Krause is a Republican and a Texas state Republican who tend to be even like more libertarian. Uh, they, this is, again, an example of state overreach. Why should the government be going through this, you know, making a banned list of what teachers are to, to teaching their students in the school? Now, I have I get having a certain say, hey, we should maybe cover these topics. We have that in the, the TEA comes with teaks. I have stuff I'm supposed to cover for the students. Uh, and they give me, but not even real books, but like online website material that covers that stuff. Uh, and that's great. School districts should provide that stuff. And that's the government in a sense. But like, should the, the congressman down in the state house, like be asking what books educators have and like, for what purpose, like, what are you doing with that? And that's the thing. A lot of people don't even think this guy has the authority to do this. Um, no one's ever done it before. And so it's like, yeah. but people are complying with it anyways. Uh, some school districts are. And so, yeah, I don't. Sorry, I'm just. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say V for Vendetta is on here. Is that literally just because protest? Yeah. Like revolution. That because the government's <clears throat> up and then the people are like, hey, quit. Yeah, like pretty much. Revolution, I guess. Everything. Gender, feminism, sexuality, race, protest. I mean, and that's the funny thing, like the book that I use in, in, in our, our on-ramps class, which is like the accelerated, like the college credit class for history, they use Howard Zinn's The People's History of the United States of America. And I bought that book and I use it too. Um, and that is like the first history book that talks about it from the, the people's perspective, the losers of history's perspective, not the people in power, but those who have been the powerless historically. It was written in 1980. And people have been like shitting their pants over it ever since. Um, and it's like, even still to this day, like people freak out when, when the, like, oh, you're teaching Zen to the students. Oh, you're teaching like that historian. And I was even watching an episode of Sopranos from like 2000. And they were mad at that book because of his depiction of Columbus as Italians. And they thought Columbus was like a heroic Italian. Uh, and he's awesome. And they're like, how dare you say all this messed up stuff about Columbus and you're teaching this to my students. I'm like, like Anthony Jr. is like reading the same book that I have, like the people's history. He just has it in his hand. He's like assigned it for class or whatever. And it's like, we're still teaching that to our students. And I think that's like what a lot of this is, is like a backlash of that type of history. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that book isn't on this list too. Um, but it's like, it's just, I don't know, man. I feel like people... People's conception of school is just what it was when they were in school, you know? And so, like, a lot of people just remember a school system and a school atmosphere and environment like that does not exist anymore. Because uh, school is very, very, very different now. And the students and the young people are very, 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 very different uh, than they even were 10 years ago. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just rambling about school, but like, it's, this is, this is pretty crazy. Um, this dude. And so I'm really curious to see like, if there's going to be any sort of like legal ramifications or decisions in regards to him doing this. Um, cause no one even knows if he's supposed to be doing this or not. John Green made the list. Which book? His book, Will Grayson, Will Grayson. It was a collaboration. I forget the guy's name, which is terrible, and he didn't put it on the list. Um, but it's just got it. It's just a, it's just a book about growing up, and then and yeah. then some boys like each other. 
David Levithan is the is the co-author. Wow. But yeah, like that's that's one that I've read and it's just it's just a book. It's There's, just a book. It's, it's innocuous. It's just such a blatant like it's so blatant. Yeah. That's all. Like you can't make it political or anything. Like it's just people or you know, fictional people living their lives and you're like, "Hang on." Yeah. No. And the fact that that is like an incendiary concept or idea in 2021 is like pretty ridiculous. Like two people should be able to be in love. It's not the 1950s anymore. We don't have like it's not the, a black man and a white woman like <gasps> like, oh, my God, yeah. like we should be. It, it's the same dynamic. It's the exact same and, thing. Like two boys. And <gasps> your opinions don't matter about it. Say that again. And your opinions don't matter about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. This, this is just a list so clearly coming from someone who is so in his own echo chamber that he has just convinced himself that, like, this is this is the way things are. Like, that's that's wrong and bad and like yeah. and and will harm children. But like, there are so many people and you don't get to decide what they what they believe or what they think about. Or what they read. Yeah. You just don't. And that's that's the other thing too. Yeah. It's like there's this assumption that like, yeah, like their opinion matters. And that because this thing makes you uncomfortable or you have a moral issue with it or whatever, that therefore everybody in the state of Texas like should not deal with it or not be exposed to it. It's just an uh it's just insane. Uh, every every fragile child uh that is this isn't isn't a call to the public libraries quite yet yeah well and also it's i mean it's just children again, it's government overreach like and if you're a, if you're the party of small government if you're a republican you should be against government overreach so like matt as a person who's a part of the government like what are you doing don't overreach uh but again, it's not about ideology for a lot of these people. It's just about winning. So let's yeah. let's let's move on. Let's move on. We got a couple more topics we want to hit. Um, yeah, this is way too long a list to just keep. Sorry, pulling titles. So just what this <laughs> there's like, all the books I know. Not a lot yeah. to say on this one, but I just want to mention uh, Monday. So this should be coming out on Monday. So like the same day that maybe you're hearing this, or, or shortly before. You know, if if you're hearing this later on. Uh, Monday, November 1st, it looks like the Supreme Court is going to be talking about and deciding on Texas's abortion law. Now, I don't know how it's like a, I don't, let me pull up the article because I'm still kind of unsure about like, is this going to be the definitive decision or is it just some sort of preliminary decision that they may have to come back to later? And apparently this is separate from the because Mississippi had an anti-abortion law, too. If people remember that happened like a few weeks or maybe a month before ours did, they're going to talk and decide about that law in December. But this one, they're like bumping up ahead. I'll just read from this, this KHN article. The, the Supreme Court on November 1st will hear oral arguments challenging the constitutionality of a new Texas abortion law just days after agreeing to hear the case. That's just one of many unusual things about the Texas law, which halted almost all abortions in the nation's second most populous state. The court plans to hear another major abortion case this fall, what I was talking about earlier with Mississippi. Um, continuing on, the high court does not need to weigh in on the constitutional right to abortion in the Texas case, which is, again, which is what they were trying to avoid. 
That's already been decided by Roe v. Wade. Um, so instead, I thought this was promising too because I didn't realize they had done this. It says, which is actually, the Texas case is actually two separate suits joined together. One brought on by the Biden Justice Administration or the Justice Department and a second brought on by abortion providers in Texas. So I remember we covered Jen Psaki saying that the Biden administration was going to do something about the Texas law, but it was before they had actually done anything. Uh, and so the Justice Department did file like an actual legal suit and they combined it with the Texas, with the, the abortion providers in Texas's suit. So to me, that seems like a good thing. I'm not a legal scholar and I kind of wish Amber was here so she could, she probably have a little more insight how the Justice Department justice system works. Um, but if we're if we're putting like the the federal government with this other state case, that seems to be uh, empowering their case. Seems to be making it better. I would assume that, right? Am I crazy for that, or what do you think? Like, sounds right. But like, when are they going to address that case? You so, know, like if if they're only addressing the the enforcement mechanism, then like, when are we going to handle like the fact that people are not currently able to get abortions? Oh yeah, it's not. Exactly. That's um it's it's almost two separate things, but they're 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 interconnected in the fact that like one essentially makes the other illegal. Um but you're right. Like it it isn't directly dealing with the fact that women still have to go out of state. Um so it's I'll I'll, continue, I'll finish the paragraph. Um like she was saying, uh the court instead uh, has asked the lawyers to weigh in on Texas's law un unique enforcement mechanism. So the fact that it's citizens ratting out other citizens and suing them rather than like a government person or entity like taking care of it. Um, that's what they're going to be deciding on. Is that legal? Is it legal to put it on the citizens and make them sue people or not? That's what they're going to be deciding. Um, okay. And uh, does, uh, continue on, it says, designed to evade legal challenges, the law SB8 rests enforcement not with Texas officials, but with private citizens who can sue anyone who performs an abortion or aids and abeds someone in attaining an abortion. The law took effect September 1st, uh, which we covered, uh, and it bans abortions after six weeks, well before the generally accepted standard of viability, 22 to 24 weeks. So that's the thing, like, I don't know how they're going to decide on that. Considering it's a 5-4 Republican Supreme Court, uh, it doesn't bode well, but we, I mean, we, we've seen all, all the, the conservative justices, like, you know, side on a liberal thing for certain cases here and there. So I don't know. What do you think? I, I know neither one of us are lawyers or like know anything about any of this stuff, but like what's your gut feeling on the legality of passing a law like this and putting it on people? I hate that it's a question of, uh, you know, which justices belong to which political party. Yeah. Um, because it really like just should all be about what is legal. Um, and I, I feel like we like just that I, I feel like that's not how the Supreme court works anymore, which is really depressing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, a five, four court in this political economy where conservatives are pushing so hard for things like uh like people not being able to get abortions that they need mm -hmm. like it doesn't look very promising the 
like I'm already like depressed by the fact that we got here. Yeah. But then I'm also in a place of like just like I'm kind of aghast that we got here, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, this has to end any second. Right? Yeah. Like, you can't you can't do this. That's like we we have the constitutional right to get abortions. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, you're right. How how have we even like arrived at this point legally, you know? Yeah. So it's it's I, I'm very very like bounced back and forth between those two. Yeah, no, I totally know. I think a lot of people feel that way. I certainly feel that way. It's like what the how how do we let this happen almost? Yeah. Um, like how did we let this happen? The fact that it happened is like worrying because then it's like well if this has happened like mm -hmm. who's to say it can't continue happening or like other things can't happen mm -hmm. but then at the same time like this is so it's so like wild that this happened that like surely we're gonna you know fix it any second right <laughs> right yeah. and it just it just goes to demonstrate that the government isn't serving the will of the people a majority of people think abortion should be legal, whether or not you think it's morally right or wrong. Like, I think it's like 68%, 70% uh, of the country is still for it. And so it's like, you should just, that this is demonstrating that it's not the will of the people that the government is serving. That's not, they're not listening to us. They're, they're mm -hmm. listening to, you know, whoever their donors are and whatever class they serve. Um, so, I mean, that's, I don't know. It's, I, in theory, if the court is not supposed to consider the abortion thing at all, and they're not talking about abortion, and they're only talking about can you make a law that makes people sue people or not, if they really stick to that, seems like a pretty fucked up thing to do and, like, violates the spirit of the law, you know? Like, to me, I don't know. but. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's real it's real uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know all the all the legal like aspects of that, but it I feel like we have never done well with uh private citizens taking the law into their own hands before. Y yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> like That's a great mob point. Yeah. Mob rule has not has not had great success in our country. Yeah. I mean, when the most. To me, the a number one example that comes to mind is just the history of lynching that we have here. Like, yeah. All of that is people taking the law into their own hands. Um, mm -hmm. So you can compare this to that. I don't think that's an egregious comparison or being hyperbolic. That's it. That's exactly what vigilantism is. <sighs> okay, let's move on. Let's finish this up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. I feel like we're always getting depressing talking about these these things, <laughs> but it's just it's it's not us. It's this it's the damn state. What are they doing? Why? Why is this happening? Okay, again, go out and vote. I know this this election isn't gonna maybe change a lot of the stuff that we're talking about in the in this moment, but if we're staying engaged, if we're staying informed uh, and educated about these things, that is the very least we can do. Uh, so then next time we get the chance to decide on these things. We can make an educated decision. Um, last couple mm -hmm. of things I wanted to talk about was, we already talked about the Fort Worth ISD stuff. 
Did we talk about the rodeo thing? I think you and I talked about it before we started recording. We, yeah, we did not talk about the rodeo thing yet. Okay, so we talked about the propositions a few episodes ago, and one of- I think we decided, we were like, it sounds sketchy, so I would like to, I think this was like the only one that we like didn't have an opinion about, you know, we were like, we need to hear from rodeo people. (laughs) Yeah, we were really confused, so I think it was prop one, we were really confused Mm -hmm. about why the need to make a rodeo organization like why does it need to be an amendment to the constitution yeah, to, <laughs> to, to be able to allow rodeos to host uh charitable raffles yeah and so i found out why um <laughs> npr just briefly mentioned it like they glossed over it super fast on like a on like one of the just news updates on the hour sort of thing and i was like oh my god that makes so much sense so essentially it's the raffle part it's the raffle part that was the problem or is the problem because uh here in texas and we all know this uh gambling that that that's that's illegal can't be gambling can't be can't be doing that in god's state um can't be putting money into a pool where you may or may not get something out of it yep (laughs) so they worded it as raffles are a game of chance Mm -hmm. So call it a but game. so many people are allowed to do raffles. Yeah, anybody you can do, but they're not rodeos though. Rodeos rodeo. can't have gambling in them. No, uh, not unless <laughs> you're racing the horses. But that's not a rodeo, I guess. Um, but anyway, anyways, so that's that's the thing. They're the they're trying to raise money with raffles, but they're not allowed to hold raffles because it's a game of chance. So they're wondering, hey, please, can we update the law so we can so we can do raffles? Um. I don't have a problem if the rodeos do raffles. That seems like a really dumb thing to even be spending our time deciding, considering every, yeah, everything I think else that that's we at got, like, We got a little caught up in like who's in charge of the... <laughs> we like started, started delving into like who's in charge of the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association. Yeah, and, exactly. um Which, you know... <laughs> Could probably use a little investigative journalism. Yeah. But the but charitable raffles, I mean... You know. Yeah, who who cares? I mean Yeah, I don't think it's about who's in charge. No. Yeah, so vote yes on prop one. Let the let the rodeo have some money or something. <laughs> I don't know. Again, why are we even talking about this? There's so many other things that we should be talking about. But anyways, so that's what's up. There's there's that one. We figured it out. We solved the puzzle. Um, thank you, <laughs> thank you, NPR. <laughs> uh it's it sucks that like, you know, I've lived in this state my entire life and like and I know how everybody feels in the government about gambling and it just still didn't occur to me that that we're still there that that's still a problem that we're that it was the raffle part anyways um last but not least just wanted to mention the so we have and this this was a while back but we just never talked about it on september 1st when all those laws went into place there was also a law that essentially excludes trans kids from playing sports in the sport that like is opposite from their birth gender. Um, and that's a problem. And I don't like, I don't know what to say about it. Like, and, and you probably, this was a, another national news thing. So listener, you may have even already heard about this. A lot of people have been very upset about this, but we never talked about it. So I just wanted to mention that real quick. Like what the F man, like this is just another, 
another thing we were talking earlier, the Texas is always in the national news. It's like another one of those things that is like the guardian, you know, again, a UK publication. I feel like they love to talk about us because there's just always some crazy going on that I'm sure the Brits are like, what the F is going on in Texas? Like, I don't know. Yeah. So that's another thing that we need to overcome. Uh, I guess it's at least it's not bathrooms. I guess they gave up on the bathroom issue. So sports is where they can um, they can get it. I don't know. Yeah, but that just sucks so much. Like if you're a kid who is already like struggling with your gender identity and like you live in Texas, you know, yeah. so you're like maybe your family's supportive, but like ch- chances are like you're surrounded by at least, you know, at least some unsupportive people like the chances of you being completely supported in Texas Mm -hmm. are not very high. And so you're already dealing with that. And then, and then at school, you got to go play with the, with the, you know, the gender that you, that you do not identify with and like potentially like, and, and it even like depending on which way that's going, like if you are a, trans girl and you have to play with all the boys that could sounds like really you know potentially very traumatic yeah. you know and and similarly you know the other way like it's i, I don't want to gender abuse here yeah. but like that it's just it's just one more thing of like we can't we can't let people just like be happy and supported yeah not allowed and that's just, uh, it's just what bothers yep. me so much about, I mean, like, it's, I'm going to get on a soapbox again real quick before we're done. But, like, uh, so as a socialist, and I, I find myself as a libertarian socialist, but just to focus on the socialist part of it for a second, like, what socialism actually is and what it was supposed to be, and if you actually look into the history of it and read the writings that people say, over the years, it is a ideology that is essentially humanistic at the end of the day. It's supposed to be everybody getting treated equally. And it's like, we've been saying in this country that we do this since I've been a kid, but we don't. Uh, We're not even close. People, depending on the color of your skin, depending on, you know, who you want to be in love with or who you're you know, whatever, however you identify, depending on those things, that will change how you're treated in our society. And so like as a socialist, that is something that is a utopianistic idea end goal is like, we shouldn't be dealing with that anymore. All human beings should be equally taken care of and represented in society, regardless of any of that stuff. But I say that and I look on the left and I look on the right and like neither of those sides, you know, Democrat and Republicans specifically talking about in America, like are doing that. Neither, neither are representing everybody. Um, it's just their team or the people that they're wanting to. So yes, the Democrats maybe pander to more marginalized populations. Um, but they're not interested in actually like representing the working class of America, which is a large, poor white population, uh, you know, two. Um, willing to sacrifice that for for their you know their points or whatever, and then of course the Republicans like are the, are worse, like they're really only wanting to deal with white people and that's it. 
if you just want to talk about it on a racial term, only want to deal with, with, with Christians, only want to deal with heterosexuals. Like that's also not being inclusive. And so like by I'm saying all of this just to say to the listener, like, please in your own personal life, in your own personal bubble, since we can't control society, like we can control ourselves, like be inclusive. Like don't, don't obviously don't be an asshole. But like, don't judge people. Don't say, it drives me nuts. I see people on the left all the time talk about how this person can't be part of our coalition because of X, Y, or Z, because they're too Republican or because they're too this or they're too that. And it's like, that is literally the opposite of what the whole ideology, the whole point of being on the left should be about. It's about everybody. It's about making sure we're all taken care of. And so, yeah, we're going to have disagreements and that's always going to be the case, but like, I shouldn't care if i disagree with you you still deserve the exact same things that i deserve uh and like and i just i'm so frustrated in our society that like that perspective like is not represented in our political sphere like that's that's that was bernie's perspective uh and he started a movement for sure but it's not everybody and like he's he's not gonna run again <laughs> you know and so it's like i'm just like i'm very i'm very like uh not upset, but like, I'm just, I'm, I'm longing for America to like wake up and like people to realize that like, okay, it doesn't matter what team you're on. The real teams, the real dichotomy is human beings versus institutions and entities. Whether you want to think about it as a government or you want to talk about corporations and businesses or whatever, schools, prisons entities and like they're not human like these corporations aren't human they just need money to survive and like they're also the ones running the governments and so like they're going to set the governments up to uh, make whatever their survival method and mechanism is like survive so they're going to set everything up to where they just keep making money and that is at our expense as human beings and we just kind of let them we just let that happen because we're too busy bickering back and forth at each other and in reality, it's like these non-human alien things that we created. We thought up uh, institutions. We thought up governments. We thought up companies and corporations. But like we let those things like dictate and run our lives at our own expense. And it just like drives me nuts because like this it's this big. No one's looking up there. No one's looking at that level. We're too busy talking about how dumb each other are or how educated each other are or, how, or the, you know, the narcissism of small differences and about how we disagree on these little things. It's like, really, like, we're just like digging our own grave, like, because the, the, the climate change is going to continue on. We're not really doing anything about that. You know, it's just like, I don't know. I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but I was like, I just want, I, I, I just want people to start like, just, it, we all have to do it for, if anything's going to change, we all, we have to do it together. Like it has to be everybody, uh, or almost everybody. It has to be a broad coalition. And like, as someone, I read this book, why nations fail. I highly recommend it to anybody. The whole essential point of the book is that to have institutions that enrich because you can essentially have two different types of institutions you can have exploitive ones which exist all around the world and you can have inclusive ones which take care of people uh and you like to have the inclusive ones you have to have people participating in in politics you have to have people like actually holding people accountable otherwise they turn into extractive institutions and just exploit people for money and so like but to have an inclusive ones it has to be a broad coalition everybody has to be a part of it it has to involve everybody uh, it can't just be serving the rich class, for instance, or it can't just be serving the 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 preferred racial group. Um, 
So yeah, so I don't know. All just think about all that stuff. Think about all that stuff and and don't be a jerk and be inclusive and try not to judge people and blah blah blah. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. I know you don't come here to listen to me preach, but to to learn about Fort Worth, but I just I just had to say all that. So I'm sorry. <laughs> um Yeah, I don't know. That's what I come here for. <laughs> personally. <laughs> I don't want to do that too much. That's no one likes to be both. preached at. Let's have both. Okay. Okay. Do you have anything you want to say about any of that? I'll certainly want to give you a chance to respond. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. I I think that we get caught up a lot just like arguing back and forth and just like being like, well, no, but like this and like, no, but like this and like, oh, well, like you're an asshole for saying that. And like, like, I I don't know what can make people just like focus on what actually is priority, which is just like taking care of people. Yeah. And I I don't know, you know, what will make people just like prioritize like trusting people about what will be best for them, you know. But I I really want to see that happen. Yeah. And like I don't know. Like that's kind of why I became a teacher is like I felt like education is the best way to help people kind of achieve these realizations or see the world in these ways. But I don't and know. And I taking it back to the the article we were talking about a little bit like that is kind of one of my biggest hopes is that like there are all these things that like old white republican you know texan representatives are trying to do and like all all the all the um you know banning trans kids from sports because testosterone makes you know better at sports and whatever while at the same time being anti you know like transition and anti like gender affirming healthcare. um but my biggest hope for that situation is just like literally just the kids like and i and i feel like i've seen like like even just the stuff that you share from your classroom and and like other other classrooms and and kids around the state like kids are are more aware and they're more you know more and more of them are are you know they meet all sorts of people and they are all sorts of people and and that's only going to continue in that direction and so like i i think that like you becoming a teacher to, to try to like make things better is like one of the one of the coolest and best things that you can do because like when it comes down to it it, it is just going to be about the kids you know like yep. it and it's like what is what their worldviews are are you know turning into and and you know all the shit that we're gonna leave them to deal with yep but that's the thing and like anything is possible it can go any way or any direction and yeah and it's been going in the direction of more and more people being aware of these issues and being exposed to people that from all different categories and that i mean that's the direction that history moves so like it's really like depressing to you know think about and to like read all these articles about like people trying to take away rights and stuff but like also mm-hmm. we're way better than we were a hundred years ago yep 
that's one thing. So this is called the long durée, or like the long-term perspective. And like mm-hmm. that's there is there is benefit I think to to trying to looking at things through that perspective every now and again. Um yeah. Because and you, I mean yeah. it's it's a weird balance of like, you know, we should be outraged and we should fight for marginalized people. At the same time, the fight should be focused on like genuinely just like caring for people and trying to bring people together instead yeah. of just being like, no, you're evil for wanting to do this. Yeah. So, so this, we'll finish up here in just one second, but I don't ask. So this makes me think of something. Did you watch the Dave Chappelle stand up from like a couple of weeks ago that everybody got mad about? I did not watch it. No. Okay. So he makes a point in that special that I think was interesting and I hadn't considered. Um, to your point about the, the amount of progress that we've achieved. Um, he, he expressed frustration within the black community towards the amount of progress that the LGBTQIA community has made over the past, I don't know, 30, 40 years. Since the end of the civil rights movement, essentially. Because that's essentially when African-American rights kind of has stagnated. And you could even say backpedaled a little bit since the 70s and 80s. Sorry. Did you hear that? I heard something. Okay, I had music in my headphones. I'm going to stop that real quick. Um, so he was like, man, you guys have really made a lot of changes in, in a very short period of time. And he was just like, that, that's, you know, I'm proud of you guys as a community for doing that, but it, I'm also kind of jealous. You know, and he, this isn't his words. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But like there is, and I think he's not speaking for himself. He is, but he's also speaking for the African-American community. That's kind of like, what the F man? Like, how, how are you guys? We've been struggling for 500 years and we're, we're here. And you guys started fighting like in the sixties and you guys are there. Um, I don't have, you know, anything to say about that really. Like, I don't, I mean, who am I to say anything about that sort of situation? But I thought that was just a really interesting way that may, it's maybe a perspective that a lot of people have that I was unaware of, but it's, it's, it is that long-term perspective, but maybe kind of from, you know, your own angle, your own bias or whatever. And so if we aren't doing the human thing and looking at it from the humanity perspective, which again, is what I think we should be doing. Um, maybe if we do focus in on certain groups and look at their progress versus other people's progress, like maybe that does help explain some of the issues, the tribal issues that we, that we are currently still dealing with or whatever. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, that it reminded me of, um, there's a post on Instagram, uh, by Matt Bernstein, um, who does like his username, Matt XIV. And he just like, he posts like, uh, informative posts about a lot of like LGBTQ like history and like just, just topics that, that he'll address. Um, and he posted recently, um, something about like, uh like the the question is is it trendy to be lgbtq or are people just finally coming out and he like compared it to a lot of different um different things that like as they've been less stigmatized and less like actually attacked mm-hmm. like more and more people you know have like come out of the woodworks you know like like left-handedness you know like when left-handedness kind of stopped being viewed as like morally inferior and like satanic like the amount of left-handed people like like skyrocketed you know and like like the 
destigmatization of like divorce like way more people got divorced and it's not because like marriages that got worse yeah. it's because more people had options you know mm-hmm. and like the um like people people in therapy and and then like people who identify as like lgbtq like those are like the the people that he all that he compared um and i can yeah i mean i can see how that like could be a little bit like uh envy inducing you know because like according to this graph that he that he posted from uh gallup like in 2014 um there he's got it split up by um by generation um but like there was like a little bit over five percent of millennials identified as lgbtq and then in 2017 it's like more like eight or nine percent and then in 2020 it's uh it's like 9.1 and then Gen Z comes in at 15.9%. Interesting. And uh which is which is where my hope for the kids comes from. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, you know, be able to live more authentically and uh and you know, meet people who are living all sorts of ways. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, like if if you're seeing all that progress even if it's not as much as we should have, like it can, yeah, his, his point stands. Yeah, no, I think that's, I want, first I want to say, like, I think that makes a lot of sense about what you're talking about, the trends that this guy's describing. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I mean, I think that the totality of the human experience or like what our capacities to experience things like is way bigger than what we actually experience. And so I think this is just kind of part of that, like what you're, what you're talking about, like, oh, now we can do this. And so more people are going to do it and maybe would have done it the whole time had we have been able yeah. to be able to. Um, I think I just want to, I, I don't want to mischaracterize what Dave was talking about. I think he was talking about more of like the legal civil rights. Right. Uh, well, yeah. And I, I would love to see like, cause that's, that is more social and, you know, like we could probably like look at a graph of like, you know, like interracial marriages and, and like stuff that's like more like yeah stigmatized and then like the stigma is going away. Just, cause yeah, that, but, that's like, certainly skyrocketed since, you know, loving versus Virginia. <laughs> like, yeah, certainly. But yeah, actual, just like legal. Um, cause I mean, like even for, I remember in high school, that's what the debate everyone was talking about was like, should gay marriage be legal? No one, obviously no one talks about that anymore because that was already decided, but that was decided not really that long ago, like 2015. Yeah, that was a very recent one. Yeah. But the fact that that's only, and maybe people were, I'm sure people were fighting for it way before I was aware of it, but being like in the, the, all over the news all the time, at least here in Texas and stuff, like in 2001, 2002, 2003, like to get that fixed in like a 12 year period, uh, and then I like, compared that to like Plessy versus Ferguson upholding segregation for like 60 years and then getting that eventually overturned. It's like compare those timelines. It's like, wow, you fought 60 years for this one thing. Uh, and then like this other thing, it's like maybe 15. Maybe you could take the timeline further. Maybe you could take it back to Stonewall if you want, uh, which again, then that would be a 60 plus year timeline. Um, but I don't I don't know. I, I think I just that's the way I took it. And I again, I'm not Dave. I don't know. You know, and a lot of this he kind of expressed through comedy. So I'm like kind of making assumptions based on what he was saying or whatever. But I'm like, okay, so this is how you feel about things. Um, 
so I don't know, but that, that I just think that's an interesting thing, you know, and I, and I do think there have been a lot of, thankfully, progress in regards to, you know, LGBTQIA rights over the years. And I think that we still need to keep that role and, you know, <laughs> keep those protections, yeah. push back the law that we just talked about, you know, I don't know, 15 minutes ago about the, about, you know, sports. Like, that's just ridiculous. We should, we should be way past this by now. So, yeah. So, yeah. At the same time, I, like, I, I understand the, you know, the frustrations and the points and I'm, and all of that. But at the same time, like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want marginalized groups to be like, oh, well, like, you have so many, like, I want some, you know, like, that's like, we should just, we should just all have the rights, you know, like, we exactly, we should just all be fighting together for these things. And that's why socialism is awesome. Because it shouldn't be, it's not about your group versus my group, which is what the Democrats love to do. The the neoliberal liberalism is all about essentially, you know, upholding the status quo and, and the, the economic system that we currently have. And so, like, it's not about for everybody. It's about the minority, those in class, those in the ruling class. And like, if giving, if putting someone of color, like in a position of power is going to give them more points, like, cool, they'll do that. But they're not actually advocating for everyone. And so, like, like you're saying, like, if everybody was taken care of, if we did have equal rights in this country, then LGBTQIA people and African-Americans would have no disagreement because everybody would be doing all right. Uh, and mm-hmm. so like that should be the goal, in my personal opinion, like that should be the long term, make sure we're all taken care of. Then we won't have all this bickering. Then we can actually start, you know, building a better society or start thinking about using that time and energy to do more productive stuff like like, I don't know, fixing climate change uh, instead of all this other stuff. So. So, yeah. Imagine if we had the time and energy to think about climate change. Yeah, right. Between all of this infighting. Yes. So, Oof. yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to go as far as to say as like, this is what they want us. They want us to be arguing so they can maintain control. Like, probably, but I don't know. Like, I, can't, yeah, I mean, who's you know, they? Yeah, like, exactly. Who's also, they? Exactly. Also, it'd be real nice. If we could all just focus yeah. on, you know, still being here in however many years. Yep. Too, too few <laughs> currently on the table. So, listener, thanks for, for making it all the way to the end with us. We, this is a, a different episode than, than normally, but I hope you had a good time. I certainly did. Um, if you need us to cover anything or have any questions about anything or need a ride to the polls on Tuesday, uh, hit us up at FWReview on Twitter. Or send us an email at uh, fwfreedomreview at gmail.com. Also, any stories that you'd like us to cover or recommendations that you may have. Also, just let us know if you're enjoying the podcast. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, let, let us know if we're doing a good job or if you'd like us to, to pivot a little bit on certain things. We're, we're open to suggestions. So, got anything else you want to say? Um, All right. It was nice talking with you. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.